Testing, testing, one, two, three. When you test this microphone. What's up, everybody, amigos y familia? It's everybody's favorite punk chef, Josh Kimball. That's right, you're listening to The Family Cast. Food and music is life, yes? Yes, indeed. Uh, I got a great conversation for you today with a punk author, Robert Dean. He's got a new book coming out, but I also have a real treat for you right now because I got a new song from the new EP from the Homies in Fire Sale. And that's so that's uh, Matt Riddle on bass. He used to be in No Use for a Name and Face to Face. And Chris Swinney, he used to be in a, the Ataris and a bunch of other bands. And he's also the host of that One Time on Tour podcast. And of course, Pedro from and Beretta is on vocals and drummer Matt uh, Morris is playing too. So I'm just going to play their single, their title track. Oh, super bonus. Also, another friend of the podcast, Mark DeSalvo, did the artwork for their EP and they recorded at the Blasting Room. So it's all, it's got all kinds of uh, punk rock royalty all over over this EP. It's out on Negative Progression Records. It's out now, but I got one of the singles here, so I'm just going to play A Fool's Errand, which is the name of the EP. It's also the name of this song. And then we'll we'll uh, talk about today's episode on The Family Cast. Food and music is life. Yes, yes indeed. Here's the song. <laughs> Everything 
yes, yes, yes. That was a fun bass line. Fun song overall, right? Very memorable, very catchy, easy to understand everything. I like it. Fire Sale. Check them out. The EP's out now on Negative Progression Records. All right. So today's episode, yeah, I got Robert Dean, an author out of Austin, Texas, by way of Chicago, Illinois. And he's got a new book, Existential Thirst Trap. That's right, existential thirst trap. So this would be the second week in a row that people have been talking about existential stuff, which is cool, whatever, I can handle that. No sweat, right? Um, but yeah, it's a cool conversation, and we got to talking about how the book release and authoring and his favorite stuff and music and kitchen stuff, all that kind of stuff. It's a great conversation. Um, uh, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, so that's a good conversation. Uh, before that starts, just reminder, share this show with a friend share this show with anybody just share it on your social media whatever make sure to tag me on if you do it on instagram it's at the family cast and if you want to send me any ideas for guests or anything like that or playlists or whatever i'll send you some recipes we'll have some fun it's famcastpod at gmail.com if you are so inclined and have the means with which to do so i highly recommend maybe send me some tips or some support so i can keep this show going um that's uh you can do venmo if you're into venmo j-o-s-h-u-a-c-k joshua joshua c-k that's my venmo name and i got all the other stuff too there's links in the show notes there's always links in the show notes if you want to support i appreciate it i'd really appreciate it keep the show going because i can only do so much for free right all this all this stuff is for free for you so it's the least you could do to share it maybe even rate it i don't know i don't even know how that works but do it yeah so we're part of the emo brown media group so if you have a chance, if you don't know what Emo Brown, uh, the podcast is, check it out. A bunch of homies from down here in Chula Vista in San Diego saying things, doing things, doing lots of good in the neighborhood with their foundation. Check them out. And, um, yeah, support your local musician. Go to some local shows. Do all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of saying the stuff I say at the end here in the front because I want to make sure you get it all. Okay? So, yeah, check out that song. Check out this conversation with Mr. Robert Dean on the family cast. Food and music is life. Yes. Yes, indeed. I'm Chef Josh, and away we go. Yep, all good, all good. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between. I'm sitting here with a famed writer, very good-looking human, uh, perfect hair. Got ready for the meeting. Yep, yep. Peace signs, peace signs. What should we call you today? What's what's the name we're going with today? <laughs> Robert, Robert usually works. I don't give a shit though. You can call me Susan. I'm just happy to be here. Oh, a boy named Sue, um, author just just dropped a new book, but also telling me we can go anywhere from the chef's kitchen right into the author workspace. So, looks like you, you got some background stuff to tell me about. But <laughs> how you doing today? Where are you at? What's going on? I'm coming to you live from Austin, Texas. I just had to warn my two kids because we're on Dad's month. Um, I'm originally <laughs> I'm originally from Chicago, and. Uh, my kids, like, I get them for a month every year. And so mm. every summer we go to Chicago to, like, basically hang with my parents. Mm -hmm. So we leave on Wednesday and they're just sitting out there bored because I don't have a car right now. So, oh, yeah. 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 Not, not having a car in Austin sucks. Is it not good public transit out there? No, it's terrible. I was almost killed in a car wreck last month. And, uh, Ugh. Dude fucking blew the red light and just totally like murdered my I had a nice car and he like murdered it. And by Texas law, you're supposed to provide the other person with a rental. And he's got that bullshit insurance and I've got good insurance. 
And so I'm so I'm suing him and shit now, but like going on five weeks without a car, let me tell you, it sucks, especially like, yeah, when like this city's gigantic. And so to get anywhere and do anything, it's been a nightmare. So I got to like rent a car to drive up there. And it's just, it's a whole thing. More time to write books. Yeah, I've gotten a lot done and saved a lot because I'm not drinking. So, <laughs> oh, that's good too. Okay, so you got the kids. You're not drinking. You're writing books, releasing the book. The book is out. Yeah, the book is out. I've just been working, like writing and working on new essays and new pitches for new stories for different publications. I literally just before I hopped on the call, just sent a pitch to a magazine like ten minutes ago. Nice for for like some uh, like articles. Or are you doing like big stuff with the magazines, or what's going on? Uh, this was an essay about, it was a, it's a music magazine and I just, I'm not sure. I, last week I got a piece accepted or at least it made it to the editorial table that the executive editor wants to do it. It's about the Foo Fighters. And then, um, yeah, like, I mean, people don't realize that five out of six of the Foo Fighters come from punk. Yeah, totally. Like they, people don't think about that. Like, yeah, they might play like dad rock and whatever. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, they've still got some cuts, but I mean, you look at it like their pedigree in the punk world. I think that's almost like you have to come from punk to like get in the band. Honestly, I think that that might be like a, a Criteria, bonding sure. thing. Yeah. Cause yeah. Uh, yeah, that was something that I thought about. And so I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to do that piece with alternative press. And cool. uh, I just pitched one to a smaller music magazine on, that I was really, really influenced back in 2000. I was a senior in high school and I got introduced to the Ken Burns jazz documentary mm-hmm. and that shit like opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And like, yeah, I'd never thought write. about Yeah. I've never thought about jazz before. And so I pitched like a first person essay on like the yeah. effects of that documentary on my life. Oh, that's cool. That sounds like a thesis. Well, we jumped ahead, but tell, tell me, let's go talk about the book itself. And then we'll go back and tell me how you got like all this material for that book. So tell me about the book. Tell me about this particular book first. The book is called Existential Thirst Trap. It is a collection of essays about my life and my experiences. I have been a professional writer for 20 years, and it's the only thing I've done for income for the last decade. And Existential Thirst Trap is a collection of stories. It's all essays, first person. I got into this, like, I quit. I was doing fiction for a couple of years, and I've always had my feet in journalism. I've always been a journalist. Mm-hmm. And so um, I quit doing fiction, like, seven years ago, and I really just leaned into doing nothing but nonfiction work. And I kind of did this Venn diagram where I was getting stories and then i was doing essays and then they kind of like bled into one another where i was doing these like first person experiential pieces for like mike and fatherly and forbes and a bunch of different places and i really Mm. found that that was my voice like i hate using the term like i felt seen because i think that that fucking phrase sucks but (laughs) it was the first time i felt like me that i wasn't putting on somebody else's clothes pretending to be a writer Mm -hmm. and so i did that and then this book is you know, I started it before pandemic and then I wrote it through pandemic and it's yeah. basically a love letter to the life that I've been allowed to live. Like grew up in Chicago in the like hardcore and punk rock scene and then moved to New Orleans with $300 and just be like, I'm going to write in my twenties. And then now at 42, you know, I am a writer with a lot of mistakes and a lot of regrets, but I've still made it and I'm here and I'm doing it. Yeah. But there's everything from 
Buddhism to food to drinking, rock and roll stuff growing up in punk. It's uh, it's been very well received, and I'm very, very blessed that people have had the reaction to it that they have. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, not akin to, you know, releasing a new album or releasing a new menu item or anything like that. It's like we share, uh, we share that, that feeling, you know, when something goes well and <laughs> you, you give it your, you give your art to somebody and they're like, yes, I love it. And you're like, Thank yeah, you. <laughs> I, it's, it's been, it's been, a, it's, I, I didn't have like, we did it super DIY. Um, mm-hmm. I'm super involved in, I'm editor in chief for big laugh comedy here in Austin. So like, if you know anything about comedy, whoever's listening, Austin has become like the comedy epicenter in the last yeah. three years. And I'm knee, I'm neck deep in that shit. And so um, I'm not a comedian, but I'm involved in the scene of it. And so I did the book with Big Laugh and we didn't have like all the budget in the world. We didn't have the connections and it's totally DIY. This is like mm-hmm. a cool band putting out the record and slowly but surely it's building upwards towards that thing that like, you can have that moment like where you're like, oh, cool, a band like Skating Polly or, you know, Drain or one of these bands that are like blowing up right now. They're like, they've released those records quietly and it just, they've toured relentlessly and made, paid their dues. That's exactly what this book is doing. I'm doing every podcast, getting reviews. Like, I didn't count it as a loss when like I've done like little podcasts, I've done the punk rock blogs, I've done the punk rock, punk rock zines and all that. And everything that's come my way, I've been extraordinarily lucky to experience it because the yeah. people that I come from are the people who are embracing me. Totally. Yeah. It's definitely a DIY approach. You know, it's a, so big laugh is the publisher publishing. Company yeah. For the book. Yeah. yeah. We're a produ- comedy production company and we've got like, we've done podcasts and we do comedy shows and work with comedians to create content and all that stuff. And I was the mm-hmm. first book experiment and still am. Oh, that's cool. The, the Guinea pig, right? <laughs> yeah, for but- sure. Do you, so do you have experience in the food world in the kitchen i've been so i'm like an amateur home cook that takes it crazy serious yeah. but i've also been a food writer for a long time so like i oh, know okay. food like really yeah. really well like i came from bars so like uh-huh. my last gig is i still consider myself like a kissing cousin i mean i come from the service industry i worked in bars mm-hmm. but was never like a chef in a kitchen but I'm on the bar side of it, but then once I became a writer, it has always been writing about food and like talking about food. Love it. Yeah. So my, my, my go-to reading is like cookbooks or like the food magazines. So it's not like, yeah, I've got, if you look at my Instagram from yesterday, there's like a picture of these like novels or not novels, but like books. And then my computer and uh, the newest copy of food and wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone, my wife's over here reading the news and I'm like looking at the newest, like, you know, food trends and stuff like that. So you know, we, we like what we like, so it's all good, but I like doing pairings too. So I like putting the food together with music or with a beverage, or, you know, if I'm reading your book, I'd be like, this book reminds me of like, you know, this drink or whatever. So especially if you have any of that in the book, um, somebody did that, actually, somebody yeah, has done the, the, that. It was my book with a shot of Jameson and a PBR. Mm-hmm. That's exactly one of my go-to pairings when I read, when I'm reading, you know, kind of punk rock, um, would you call it a memoir? Uh, is it a punk rock memoir of your journey? Um, no, because memoirs, like people fuck up memoirs and they're usually really bad. Like essays <laughs> are more of like a snapshot of a thought where yeah. like nobody gives a fuck about my upbringing unless it's a cool story. Like these are snapshots of experience. Like I talk about the first time I learned about sex and like some like I don't pull any punches in this book. You know, I talk about like bullying a kid when I was little and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is no 
I have like Whitney Cummings had this quote about like dealing with like Chris D'Elia because Chris D'Elia is a scumbag. Yeah. And uh, she's like, if you write, I'm paraphrasing her. So um, she was always like, if you write or if you do comedy, we'll embrace you for all your flaws. But if you fucking lie to us, it's over. And so mm-hmm. reading people like Samantha Irby and Hanif Abdurraquib and other writers that I really respect, I realized that like I had to like do all that shit. So there's some gnarly shit in there. Okay. Yeah. That's good to get real. I, I think essays is a good approach for people like myself, maybe a little ADHD in there, maybe less time in the kitchen or something like that. You can kind of get through a good story without having to like, wait till the next chapter when we really wrap it up. You know what I mean? It's like the whole story yeah. is in like a thousand words or less or whatever. I don't know how long it is, but um, each, each essay is its own story. Basically each essay is its own chapter of your life kind of. Or, yeah. They're totally episodic. So if you're like, Oh, I'm just trying to finish this shit. You can get to it and you're like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> Literally, you yeah. Can move on. Yeah, like straight up. <laughs> What's one of your favorite standout things that you wrote in that in this particular book? So side question. Did you leave uh, anything out of the book? Um, yeah, I mean, there's always stuff that you're kind of like working through when mm-hmm. you're a writer that you're like, one day I'm gonna get there and I'm gonna talk about this. You mm-hmm. know, like I've got some things that I need to get off my chest still, but yeah. I'm getting closer to it with the next one. Like I took a really healthy approach to how I did divorce. I was with my ex for 10 years. We got two kids. Mm -hmm. So I tried to take as healthy of approach to that as I could. And I compared the divorce to, for if you like Alice in Chains, I uh, did a, when you watch Alice in Chains unplugged, you literally had a band knowing that their lead singer is this total junkie. They basically prop them up on a chair like they're mm-hmm. watching him die in real time. He's high as a kite, but gives the performance of a lifetime. Like, how does that feel to be an Alice in Chains knowing that your band is fucking incredible? Everyone wants you to tour. You can't because of this guy. And he just sits up there. He's whacked out of his mind. Like, if you watch that, he's in sunglasses and long sleeves, and he's got the shit covering his fingers because he's full of track marks. Mm-hmm. And they basically sit him on a stool and he knocks it out of the park. And I compared those feelings to what it was like going through the divorce. And so there's some stuff in the next book. I'm working on the follow-up right now. I'm 11 pieces into it. I'm trying to write 30. And then once I get to 30, then I'm going to pick like the strongest, like 25 of them or so, and then go from there. It's like writing an album. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so the Alice in Chains uh, analogy is which, which part were you, were you the band were you Lane Staley, the audience? I, I think it was the situation mm-hmm. because like when you love somebody, but you also realize that like that love is just, it's just gone now. It's not mm-hmm. that I dislike my ex or anything like that, but you just kind of, as much as you want to preserve what a marriage was and like is, yeah, yeah. sometimes you have to know it's time to walk away. And like, we knew it was time to walk away. We were like roommates, mm-hmm. you know, like the kids are what kept us together and this fear of the unknown. And finally she was just like, look, I just can't do this anymore. It's not like we were fighting. We just grew completely like oceans apart. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that's a lot of stuff to, 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 to write down, I guess, to, if you can get that emote, emote that into music or writing or um, food or anything like that. It's like, how do we convey those messages to people? If you want to share those thoughts with people, how do you do that? Um, But a lot of people can relate to that, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. It to me is like, you don't want to leave anything to be super like you just, you want to continually have something that somebody, I wanted to write a book that 
basically like in my number one mo was like i wanted to write a book for dudes that were like i'm a nerd that reads a lot but mm-hmm. i also come from like the culture of I, in my life, I have friends that like have one copy of Kitchen Confidential, one copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and like mm-hmm. some random ass book, like a Bukowski or something like that, or like mm-hmm. Naked Lunch. And I wanted my book to sit next to those in the sense that even though you're not like a book dude or you're like not a big reader, but this is like your one thing. You're like, yo, this one speaks to me. And it's like a that weird yeah. ethereal like place that you can have a feeling of this is an ownership of something that I've felt before. And yeah. so. I wanted that for people that come from, you know, that place of like with Bourdain, the reason why we all love him so much is because so much we saw ourselves through him. Totally. So that's the reason. Like I have an Anthony Bourdain tattoo. He was my hero. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm some fucking uh, outlier to say that, but I literally have an essay in the book about him. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing is like, I wanted people to be like, I get where this dude's coming from. I've been there. And that's usually the reaction is you said so many things that I never knew how to say. And they like have these like really emotional reactions to some of the essays. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Um, yeah. We, sometimes we actually just listen to his books in the kitchen. We just like, instead of like metal or rap, we're just we'll put on Bourdain's book while he's reading it to us. And, uh, yeah, I'm about like, to do that when I get back. Yeah, yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I totally understand, you know, and it's in his voice. Um, man, that's crazy that you mentioned that, but that's a whole that's a whole other topic because I could talk about that for days, you know. Um, but as far as you and your book, um, do you feel like as kind of like a songwriting or chefing, do you are you pouring every single emotion into the stuff that you're writing, or are you just kind of trying to convey a message, or, or do you want people to feel what you're feeling? Like, I mean, is aren't those all the same things though? Yeah, is it is it like a hundred percent like you want like you put yourself in my shoes or I mean because some people tell stories and they're just like you know listen to this story or they're like hey I want you to feel this story you know no I, I tend to make people feel that I try to couple like mm-hmm. laughing with I, I try to do the sour and sweet mix where yeah I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna tell the dick joke and get you to laugh and then I'm gonna punch you in the balls to like make you feel it but then I'm gonna bring you back so it's not a total bummer. Mm-hmm. And I try to like strike that balance with everything that I do because Good. nobody wants to read like a book of sad boy shit. At least I don't. I've read I've read enough Sylvia Plath <laughs> to know. But <laughs> I try to like give people as much honesty as I possibly can because again, I want people to be like, I felt that too. Again, that's why we're drawn to people, and that's yeah. kind of the power of music, but it's also to the detriment of our society because we used to love writers, we used to love art. Now we we fucking people get paid to make TikToks farting. It drives me fucking insane. <laughs> I know. I I guess I meant because like I could read stuff like David Sedaris all day long, and it's not like yeah. super deep. It's not deep, and he but maybe he has like one sentence at the end that he's like, and that's why I love humans or something like that. You know, yeah. and um, so he's not like I'm not crying when I'm reading David Sedaris, you know, or Chuck Klosterman or whatever. It's like he'll tell a story of his life, but I'm not like. I'm not really feeling that much stuff when I'm reading it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just more entertained. Those dudes are huge influences on me. Those, those yeah. both of those guys are very present in the book. Mm-hmm. It's just take what they did, but I take it to a completely different, deeper, like mm-hmm. I can tiptoe into those worlds where like you're laughing about shit and like the nerdy, like Chuck Klosterman and Hanifa Durekwood were a huge inspiration when I did that Alice in Chains thing. Yeah. And so I think that being able to tip your toes in both places but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely deeper than both of them. 
Okay. Yeah. That's, I guess that's what I meant. Cause uh, you know, or even like with music, some, music, sometimes there's a record that you're like, you know, you can listen to in the background, but there's sometimes I want to sit down with headphones in front of my record player, stare at the, you know, artwork and listen to this record, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's like, it's like that, or, you know, it's listening to something while you're reading maybe means you're not really like getting what you're reading kind of sometimes for me um yeah. i can some people can't listen to music while they read so no, i can't no, no yeah so so you don't really have a uh what's what's the ritual like when you go into a writing space quiet and get the fuck don't fucking bother me yeah okay light candles and stuff like that or sometimes i got yeah. i like i'm i got a lot of candles sometimes i do it sometimes i don't but <laughs> it's generally just i put in if i'm at a coffee shop i put in these and just mm-hmm. i get in the zone and work i prefer to work at night mm. um but it's just once i start working just i work at my own pace and don't listen to music sometimes I, like if i'm in a public space i put on white noise just so i can only hear my thoughts Okay. Like I can't put on a TV show. I can't listen to anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if you like, is there anything you listen to that gets you into the space before you start, I guess, like what pumps you up or whatever, you know, if you, or if you want to write about something sad and serious, like what pumps you up into that space? No, it's, I usually like have a thought in my head that I'm obsessed with and I'm like, fuck, I got I can't not let this <laughs> thing go. And when I know, like I have that piece and then it's like, even if I just scribble, like my phone and my laptop are filled with like, sentences and thoughts and then i'll like take like six thoughts that i had and i'm like oh this works with this and then it's like mm-hmm. you ever seen that um episode of south park when they like go talk to the people at the uh apple <laughs> desk and they're like yeah pointing all there. these things yeah <laughs> yeah that's like my head i'm like oh that's a sentence here and this works with this idea and like i pull these just little scraps of paper from my brain and put them mm-hmm. together and i'm like okay well this leads into that it's never like not these jerky things they all just work it works for David Bowie. It works for you, you know, or Tom York, um, throwing yeah. paper into the air and making it into a song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's cool. Do you do public readings at any spaces? Yeah. I mean, I have, like, I'll do them depending on the, the idea. Like I'd rather, if I get booked to do those, I honestly just tell stories. Like I will just be like, Oh, like, what are we going to do tonight? And they'll do it. It's so it's not like stand up. Mm-hmm but it's like storytelling where yeah, I'd rather I do those. that because mm-hmm. fuck like fucking readings are the worst dude. They suck. <laughs> like most writers have like no personality on their monotone. And you're just like, I've sat in the audience, like fucking kill me. This sucks. So you have to entertain. Um, yeah. And like they're friends of mine and I'm like, I never want to do this again. Yeah. I never said you were a good reader. I said you were a good writer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like straight up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no no book tours then um no i mean like i said a... i'll do it i'll talk i'll talk and i'll read i'll read if you want me to but generally i'll mm-hmm. tell you stories and then we can have a conversation which is always way more fun totally yeah i mean that's 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 why people go to those anyways they want to talk to you afterwards or whatever buy you a coffee or a beer or whatever yeah. <laughs> not drinking right now though but so we'll have to get an alternative um are you not drinking I'll, like I'll, are you straight edge or are you just <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> Just not right now. Right now you're not. No, no. I never said I wasn't drinking. I thought you said you weren't drinking right now. No. <laughs> that's your yeah, other I, girlfriend. Yeah, that was projection. Um, that's good. No, I'm getting you, drunk later. What? <laughs> it's on the calendar. Um, yeah. What's the What's the drink of choice? What, what are you What are you pairing with the book these days besides PBR and Jameson? 
that's pretty much it. Okay, good choice. Um, but if you had to, if you had to pick, like, uh, you know, to have drinks maybe with with Anthony Bourdain or one of your heroes, do you think that you guys would do like that kind of drinks, or would you sit down, and, you know, have a fine wine or a morning coffee? No. No. <laughs> I want to go, dude. My because you're a nighttime gig, guy. My whole gig is take me to the gnarliest, shittiest bar in your town. Like, if I came to San Diego, I want you to take me to the gnarliest fucking bar. That you're like, yo, this place can get sketchy. I'm like, give me all of that. And then <laughs> yeah, I want you to be like, oh, see that? That's my homie. He sells heroin. Within five minutes, I'm making friends with that guy. We're doing shots with him. And then before you know it, we're hanging out doing a bunch of sketchy shit. We might end up shooting dice. That's how we're hanging. Like, <laughs> sitting over a Got fucking it. glass of wine, dude, fucking kill me. I don't want to do that shit. I don't want right. to. Like, I don't even really like fine <laughs> dining, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, like, I'm a food person, mm-hmm. but like, an amuse bouche is something that I have no interest in. Like, I just don't. Like, I love a good steakhouse. I love like old school chop house kind of shit. Yeah, like, if there's yeah. a restaurant that's been there since like 1951, I want to eat there versus like some new concept. Right, I just yeah. don't fucking care. And like, if we're going to get carne asada, I want it from legit places. Mm-hmm. I don't want it from fucking a dude who looks like me making some shit mixed with. <laughs> fucking korean food i just don't want that right i totally hear you yeah you want the the time-honored tradition of real whatever it is i get it that does that speak into your writing also yeah i mean like i just again like it's i just try to preserve the truth of who i am like i said Mm -hmm. i've had fine dining enough to know that every time i go to somewhere and the bill is like four hundred dollars it's never worth the money that i spent like totally like let's go get tacos (laughs) yeah i mean every single fucking time you go and there's like the tweezer food and it's like oh it's one scallop that's been seared to perfection on a black bean puree with octopus nuts you're like great this is awesome and then (laughs) afterwards you guys are like you want to grab a burrito like yeah exactly literally every fucking time i try not to do that i try to i try to make people full Maybe with the same food you just said, but maybe a little bit more stuff or maybe more beer in the pairing or whatever, you know, like, let's get you full. Um, So you you don't have to say stuff like I didn't get enough food or whatever, or, you know, I mean, leave them wanting more. Sure. But like, it's good to be a little full sometimes. Yeah. I mean, like, like, but when you go to like, what is it? Omasaki, the Japanese version. Yeah. So when you go to Omasaki, you're at least getting like 40 like things. So when you leave there, you're like, that was 200 bucks, but that was worth my time in like the effort of that but like like straight up i've been to some super nice places and i'm like we could have just went and got fucking seafood and this would have been so much better yeah usually yes usually correct like i know uh out here people pay a lot of money to go eat at like thomas keller's place in french laundry in yeah. napa and uh they say they're dropping like hundreds of dollars before they even get wine I'm like oh man i, I can't even picture that i can't even fathom it because unless someone's He's- paying for it for me and like as much as I would love to go to the French Laundry, a hundred out of a hundred times, I will pick on a San Pedro fish market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they when they got the, like shovel full of shit, you're sitting out on the water drinking uh-huh. beers. Like that's just way more fun to me than like sitting there. Like I'm going home and like I, you could go to Grant. What how you say his last name? Grant Ash, Alina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you go to Alina. Yeah, a shots. You could go there and eat that, but to me, bro, I'm taking fucking. Like I'm eating Chicago food. I'm going to get greasy pizza and beef sandwiches and like the bear <laughs> tacos. Yeah. I mean, the bear was great coming up soon. Yeah. Um, that's for all you who don't know, the bear is a show and they make beef sandwiches. Who knows what they're doing on the next episodes, but um, that's cool. <laughs> I, I totally hear you. I'm a, I'm a dive bar guy. 
through and through. I go, we, we literally, actually, my friend was, my friend from Chicago was out here on tour and we went to a bar. We walked in. It was too nice. The music was too loud. We literally got the menus and walked out and went yeah. to some, some other place. Um, just a little less like that, but it wasn't quite as divey enough that we wanted, but you know, they had Jameson. So whatever, but <laughs> we can't even hear each other talk um, over this, like playing whatever is on the jukebox. It was probably just the iPhone plugged into Spotify, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am a strong, strong fucking hater of digital jukeboxes. <laughs> you want to, you want to see the record spinning? No, it's not even that. It's just the jukebox creates a vibe. Like I will go in and I will play you fantastic music. Why? Because I was a professional DJ on Bourbon Street. I know how to like pick records that everyone likes to chill to. Blues, yeah. rock and roll, and country music that most people like. But when you I go somewhere and some assholes like hitting skip ahead to hear Bad Bunny, and then there's a dude trying to play Pantera, and I'm stuck somewhere in the middle. And the bartender's getting the shit kicked out of them because they're running off half this crowd and this crowd, which mm -hmm. some spend more money than others. It's the fucking worst when you've got just like a, but if you, when you've just got a gang of CDs and you know what it is, you know what the crowd's going to be. And it's fine. I'd much rather do that than like have to deal with the digital jukebox bullshit, man. Like there's nothing worse when you're just chilling and some fuckhead puts on some terrible trap shit. And I love hip hop. I love hip hop but I fucking hate trap and I hate mumble rap and they put it on and you're like, fuck dude, you just ruined the entire vibe. We're all hanging out and you, this one song comes on and you're like, why are you such a cunt that you have to hear this? <laughs> you gotta wait for three more minutes and then we'll be back to like, you know, Billy Joel or whatever. Um, Not even Billy Joel. It's just like <laughs> in Austin, most places you go to, I don't know if you've ever been here, yeah, like but honky like, tonk. It's not even that. It's like generally in Austin, it's like rock and roll, old country music, the mm. blues, punk. Like that's generally what you're going to hear in the bar. And so it's like you can hear, you'll hear like rancid, bad religion. You'll hear some like a little like some Black Sabbath and whatever. And then, you know, we'll even have, because it's an older song, somebody can throw on T-Pain or whatever. And you're like, yeah, this is fun. Apple bottom jeans, throwback. It's cool. But then like they'll play that one shit and you're like, fuck me. Why? Like <laughs> no one here wants to hear this but you. <laughs> selfish uh jukebox listeners what's well what what's a writing trend these days like are there trends that come in through go through like with authors like they do with food i don't know i don't pay attention to them i don't fucking care yeah no i didn't even know if there was something like that like you know like uh or if it's just always like kind of the same formula like no. this many words or like whatever big words no. little word, you know like there's trends it's always because it, what writers do is like when Bourdain came out, everybody tried to write like a book like that about food or their industry, like secrets of the laundromat that you didn't know. And it's like mm. <laughs> they tried to gobble that shit up. And then like Harry Potter, everybody wanted like magical realism stories and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't fucking care. I don't pay attention to trends. I don't buy into them whatsoever. I've learned. I, I say this with peace and love and it's not bullshit. I live in my own stupid little world listening to like the music I want to hear. I, mm -hmm. I'll buy a book that like people are talking about and I probably won't read it till like three years later. And I just read shit on my own pace. I discover things at my own pace. And I think that that served me well because I'm not, my influence is by the things that have happened to me naturally versus the environment that everyone else is trying to be a part of. Totally. That's, that's the way to do it. Um, so you, but I mean, but you're, but you're, are you kind you're kind of aware of like your contemporaries so like you know stuff that's happening right like you know what's going on in the world or what 
like when you're submitting to AP, for example, do you you kind of know what they're looking for, right? In yeah, I mean, thing. like I'll I check to see like what's popping off, like what's mm-hmm. popular and whatever. Like I'll look, mm-hmm. but am I gonna like like the, a magazine? Yeah, because we call it a peg where it's current in the news. But like in terms of essays, I just write what I'm gonna write, man. Like yeah. it's if something happens, but there's like news things like where certain things are happening and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. And I just kind of roll with it. I don't know. I just don't put that much thought into that kind of shit. Good. Your Yelp reviews are probably off the hook. That's what I mean. As far as you writing them. Yeah. Oh people yeah. People probably like reading your reviews or whatever. Cause I, I was doing it for a little bit when my friend was running the, he was running the elite thing or whatever. So he he said, Hey, can you write some stuff? That's funny or whatever. So I would just make like, fun of stuff basically get always five stars whatever i don't want to shoot people down but like make fun of everything and like they were, they were fun they were popular um i was trying to write I, but at the time my favorite writer was like you know was chuck klosterman when i was doing those so like i was just kind of writing like how kind of how he would make fun of things or whatever i don't know i don't know if there's a way to explain the way people how how writing goes or whatever the, the words like you know like this music is punk rock you know, would you say that about writing too? Like this, this guy's a punk rock author. Or <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it can shine through in the work. Like if you read my stuff, you definitely know that the Misfits are my favorite band. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to get that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it just really just does it. Like I don't go out of my way to parade it around. It comes out or it doesn't. Like I'll make a, you know, some kind of allusion to like the Vandals or something like that just because it works within the context. But that's the same that. with country. It's the same with country music because I love that too. Mm-hmm. Like, but I also read like all of Greg Graffin's books, and yeah. um, he's um, you can't always always tell that he's it's like a PhD writer, you know. It's just like he's just kind of a guy, you know. He looks like a guy, you know. He's yeah. he's, he's the dad. But um, I can't, I can't, I could never read anything by Greg Graffin. I I read stuff by Jim Vernon, who's written about all them. Jim Vernon's totally. the shit. Local, uh, yeah, that dude rules. Um, but like I can't read like because I, I can't read shit where it's like Greg Graffin is like such an avowed atheist that like I just I can't like it just bums me out. I'm like, I just don't need this in my life, man. Let it's me like, in like, your face a little bit. Yeah, that's the same shit with like dudes like uh, what's his fucking Richard Dawkins and stuff or like they're so on the pedestal of like their vision of the world that I just can't. It's just I'm like life is depressing enough. At least let <laughs> us have these like false narratives of like how we think the universe works because i thought that the last time we checked about science is that we're still constantly figuring shit out sounds like you guys should have like a, a writing rebuttal or some like a, a nice uh <laughs> sometime are you uh, do you have a like a some kind of religious or spiritual background is that why no i'm a buddhist yeah so he yeah, would, well so he would he would probably i don't even know what he would say about that he'd just be like oh okay like He'd, Buddha, he'd or... just be like, you know, no, he knows enough. I mean, he's a cryptozoologist or a zoologist, I think is what Greg Graffin's deal is, but or evolutionary biologist, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> like dudes like that are just generally like I'm there for the tunes, but I'm not there to like hear how dumb like at the end of the day, Buddhism is at least the practice of being a good person. And yeah, that's yeah. literally what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. So um I take that to heart, but again, I just don't need to get bummed out. Like I said, the world's hard enough, man. I don't need somebody to be like just shitting on you on like a totally esoteric level, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I I even get that from some some religious authors and speakers and stuff like that too. Is like they're they're 
not I guess holier than thou, but like if you don't do this, then you suck kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that's why I stick with the I, I want to be entertained and and laugh at the author and laugh cry with you and stuff like that. It's like I want that part of it versus I guess knowledge. You know, I want more experience than knowledge kind of thing. If that makes sense. I'm no, I'm. I get it. I have to like, again, it's like that sour sweet thing where mm -hmm. I read a ton about politics and I read a lot about, you know, like I'm a huge devotee of like Howard Zinn and Noam Chomsky and things mm -hmm. like that. And Naomi Klein. Mm -hmm. And I read like Roland Barthes and Octavio Paz. And I read all this stuff because it informs my opinions and it informs my writing in different ways. But I try to like stick to like, Hey, heavy book, light book, heavy book, light book. Like I can't just yeah, like heavy smart. because I've, I've learned that because if I'm reading like just heavy books, like on a stream, I'm a dick. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, I guess it's the same when I listen to too much of one genre of music, whether it's too much, you know, country or rap or all the way to punk and extreme metal. It's like if the more I listen to that, it starts grading on you and, and whatever emotion it's giving you. It's like too much joy. I, I got to bring it down a little bit or too much craze, you know, it starts, to, yeah. it starts to overflow into the way I'm making the food. Or the way I'm treating my family, or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, we gotta have for sure. Balance. I gotta change up this playlist, dog. Um, or stop buying metal records or whatever. But um, so what's next for the book? What's the what's the next big move? <sighs> the never ending. Just keep plugging away, man. Like I said, it's a DIY. Yeah. So I'm going to Chicago on Wednesday, and I'll be there for the month. And it's just like trying nice. my hardest to like make inroads, meet people in Chicago's literary scene because I've been gone for so long. I haven't lived there in 15 years. Mm -hmm. And all my people in Chicago are, they're not in that world at all. So I'm going to hit some comedy shows. I'm going to try to hook up with like some writers in the area and see what's up. Go to Old Town Ale House, which is like traditionally like a writer's bar. Mm, and see like nice. if I can do some podcasts and try to like get on media. Because again, like I sent out 70 books and I didn't get reviewed by the New York Times or any of that. Like people with these shitty fucking books from that like their friends put out they reviewed them but like mm -hmm. i didn't have that so like i literally have to rely on one by one by one and like yeah. doing podcasts like this and hopefully somebody listening is like that dude seems all right i should buy that book and yeah, then, yeah. like it opens up to other opportunities because i really like i'm trying to you know do the shows like i really want to do like toby uh toby from h2o show and I want to mm -hmm. do like Finn from the punk rock NBA because I come from that world. Like I've been, yeah. for, I'm like one of the rare writers that is semi-successful to like be able to write about life and things like that and not doing it in this like boring pejorative way where it's honest and talking about like favorite bands with a sense of like, yeah, this guy's not full of shit because we mm -hmm. can smell a poser from a mile away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we can, we can smell our own, we can smell the posers <laughs> and, uh, but no, it seems like, uh, it seems like you're on the right track though, as far as the message you're trying to convey and the message that, uh, like, I guess, you know, the existen existential thirst trap is a good way to put it, <laughs> as yeah. far as, you know, using, using a, a couple of buzzwords from the recent times, but also like being existential. Um, for those of you that don't know what that means, look it up, <laughs> do the, do the math. Um, but right, the Google. yeah, you use the Google if you want to, or a library, who cares? But what's, uh, what do you, what do you, are you already starting? You already said you're starting another one. What, what would you write about after something like this? Would it be like a part two or be like, um, the next book is going to be called sad clown. And, uh, 
(laughs) (laughs) And I went through like a super gnarly breakup that like broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that really bummed me out. And I'm right. I wrote about that. I wrote about depression. I got my Mm -hmm. therapist was like, you don't have like regular depression. You have something called, um, what's the fucking name of it? Um, Adjustment disorder where I'm usually a pretty even keel person, but like when something bad goes in my life, anxiety and depression like really affect me for like six, like three to six months because it just affects me really deeply. Mm. And so um, I deal with that. And, but it's got that. I've got this like essay on these like wild ass Wendy's training videos from the 90s that are fucking insane. Like, Like go on, go on YouTube and watch 90s Wendy's training videos. You're gonna be like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> They're just so bizarre. They're like really, really, really bizarre. All right. Like there's an entire genre on YouTube of like training videos from the nineties. It's nice. bananas <laughs> what people were doing. Um, I've got that. I've got a list of shit. I hate. I've got, you know, an essay about Chicago an essay about Austin. And then I wrote like about the experience of like, it's not like what it's like to be a Disney adult. Cause I think Disney adults are fucking weird. Um, I think if you cry, <laughs> if you, what's a Disney adult. The people who like base their entire personality off like going to Disneyland or oh, going yeah. to Disney yeah. World. Like, dude, yeah. if you're fucking 35 and you cry at the castle, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, is your life that <laughs> devoid of pleasure that like you cry over a cartoon mouse? It's just fucking weird. You so like, you write about when, that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I wrote about a vacation I took with my family when I was still married. And it's like, I understand the appeal to Disney World because it's like, when you go to Disney, you are in a world that like mm-hmm. you, you don't buy like a Coke, you buy like a Mickey Mouse Coke. There's really not like there's very specific brandings. You're not eating in Burger right. King, you're eating in like you're in a, you're in a different world, which they mm-hmm. obviously perfected. And so it's that I understand them, but I still think it's weird. And then, you know, like I said, it's I got one about Austin, one about Chicago. It just kind of. I have ideas and then I kind of piecemeal them together. Like I wrote one for a magazine on like what it's like to be masculine and like, is it Hmm. like best bench pressing, you know, and like walking around and like beating your chest because you think Bud Light's for fags. Like that sucks, dude. Mm -hmm. Like that totally sucks. Like I think if you care that much about a fucking beer can look, look, look in the mirror, Jesus. I'm like, I'm sure there's a litany of other shit you can talk about than like, being worried about who sucks each other's dicks or like who cuts their dick off like (laughs) fucking find a hobby guy that doesn't include like shooting beer cans yeah it just drives me fucking crazy so like i just think about things like that all the time and so i I have to because i started writing the book when the book came accidental thirst trap came out i started working on the stuff for sad clown. And like, I was going through a really bad depression because like 2023 has sucked ass, man. Like I'm not making Mm -hmm. the money that I'm used to. I was nearly killed in a car wreck. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend who I loved broke up with me, you know, like making money as a writer has been shit. So -hmm. like the book and my children and that I'm not dead are like the three, like really like, yay moments that I have, but you know, trying to, it's going to take time because I try to like, like I said, balance the happy and sad and I'm coming out of that now. So I'm in this like reflective era mm-hmm. and then eventually I'll start writing funny stuff again. And then you'll be like, then it'll be like the book where it's like heavy one, funny one, heavy one, wild story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
does a does a writer like yourself do you like journal on a daily is that like a thing where you and you pull from that no i like i said i just take like little bits and pieces where i'm like mm -hmm. oh shit here's an idea here's a sentence like okay. i like i'd said um i was talking to one of my friends and i was like yeah because that's the difference between a fucking carnival and a circus which in your head you're like there is a difference between a carnival and a circus you know yeah totally and what's so, the difference? <laughs> i mean a no, I mean, don't give it away. Is, don't give it away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it. It's, that's awesome. It's the difference between there's, yeah. There's it's a I, I can make a direct allegory to like the kitchen or, or music too, but I want to I want to save it for your your readers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then as far as authors, like kind of like being like you, yourself being like a like a punk rock musician, do you do collaborations with other authors? No, not really, because uh, okay. writing is so fiction those guys will do it but like for like i've been a part of anthologies and things like that but writing is so personal and so like mm -hmm. you gotta stay in somebody's voice it's not like zach bryan and charles wesley godwin you know like jumping in and like doing a song together because they can share the lyrics and the, the voices mm -hmm. it's you're there for the song with writing somebody else's style can completely take you out and I don't want to do that. So okay. I just try to stick to myself with that. It's not like cooking where if somebody makes a dope sauce, like that shit would taste great on my burger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was just checking on that because it seems like there's so many other ways that, you know, your, your, your writing is like chefing and stuff like that, but not that one. Um, not that one, <laughs> not that one, but anthology makes sense too, but, or like four words or anything like that. Um, who, so who do you like? Who's you, who are your contemporaries these days? Who, who do you shout out or who do you read? Uh, let's see. Um, I read a lot of Samantha Irby. I'm talking. These are going to be alive authors. Sure. Um, <laughs> sure. Samantha, because yeah. I read a lot of dead people. Mm -hmm. um, Samantha Irby is incredible. Uh, Hanif Abdurraquib is incredible. I love David Sedaris. I love Chuck Klosterman. Um, here in Austin, we've got this dude Gabino Iglesias who just won the Stoker which is a, in the horror world, a big deal. He's the first uh, um, Latin American writer to ever win it. So he cool. won it yesterday. Nice. That's super cool. Props to Gamino for that. Um, you know, there's a lot of really rad people. My friend Max Booth is like the next Stephen King. He's a fucking dope horror author. My friend yeah. Andrew Hilbert is this like wild ass bizarro author who writes like fucking stories about like shit mountain and all kinds of nuts stuff. <laughs> and you know it's yeah. it's funny because like i just kind of exist in my own world like i said i read and support all these people's different things but at the same time where i'll read something that's somebody current like i'm reading right now each book that i'm reading is like by dead people like i'm reading a.a a. gill who is um a travel writer for vanity fair and this book came out in 99 and mm -hmm. i'm also reading the man with the golden arm which came out in like I don't know, like 1940 and, Oh, wow. You know, like I read, and that was a movie that Frank Sinatra was in and, but Nelson Alger and the guy who wrote it is like one of Chicago's most beloved writers. And so I try to like, again, take the people from the past and learn from them. Like guys like Mike Royko and studs Turkle, who were like Chicago legends mm -hmm. in like journalism and then look at that and then see what somebody's doing now and try to like find a middle ground between those two things the wisdom of the past and like what's currently happening i think is mm -hmm. really important i think that's like important too with music you know yeah like yeah, totally i think that that's like 
like again when I, when I talk about the misfits i think the miss I, I i think it's wild to me that the misfits aren't in those conversations where it's like sex pistols ramones these are the most important punk bands i'm like the misfits are like right there like why are they never on that list i mean i also think it's probably a good thing considering like misfits lyrics are fucking wild and you know yeah i could think it's some yeah <laughs> Definitely. you know and it is what it is because my friend was like i think they're more of a metal band i was like they're not a metal band they're a fucking punk mm. band aesthetically heard, they in yeah i've heard goth maybe like just because they're macabre but definitely punk yeah dude i mean yeah, we are 138 is a punk yeah we are 138 is <laughs> a punk song dude <laughs> totally yeah um but it, what kind of what kind of what have you learned doing this stuff what's what, drop me some wisdom on being a writer for 20 years or a new book or a dad like hit me with something I think the more that you think you know and the more that you've experienced and the more that you see, the more you realize that you know nothing. All we know is that we don't know. <laughs> you know? It's uh yeah. it's 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 wise it's wise lyrics, it's wise thought, it's we are you saying you're you're always a student? You're always learning? Yeah. I was talking to this kid today. I met him, I covered um I covered uh two-step in it was a country um concert out here i love country music like i love like real country music not like Wayland like shelton and shit yeah like that yeah i love zach bryan i love sergio simpson turnpike troubadours lucero like i love all that shit like 90 mm-hmm. percent of the time you see me in cowboy boots um <laughs> it's either <laughs> nice. vans or vans doc martens or cowboy boots one of these days van i'm ch- telling steve's gonna make the the vans cowboy boot <laughs> you know <laughs> that for, would be all, funny. for all the californians and people who moved to texas um yeah well, i mean i live in texas so yep um yep. but i grew up on country music so um what the fuck where was i going with that what, uh, what was the question we were just talking about you said you did a cover two step in and uh because we were talking about uh being a student forever oh yeah yeah sorry mm-hmm. yeah, I met a, oh, in the press tent i met a kid from texas tech and he like was writing and stuff and we were i was not busting his balls but i'm like you didn't have any editorial oversight about this you didn't have i was like you just published published your piece live without an editor looking at it and he's like yeah we don't really do that and i was like oh my god like how the fuck do you guys expect us to learn and i was like flabbergasted that they were just allowed to like just publish straight to the site without any kind of editorial oversight and me and that kid mm. have stayed like cool he's on uh instagram and we chat and he actually bought my book today so shout out to him thank you andrew uh um, yeah and so um but he sent me he posted a new thing and i was like if you ever want like real professional feedback i'd be happy to give it to you and happy to like Rad. share the things i'd learned and stuff because mm-hmm. you're in college and you're a kid and i'm like i've been writing longer than you've been alive yeah so <laughs> um i was like he's like yeah i always want to learn stuff i go dude you need to constantly want to learn stuff if you want to be a writer the minute you think you know it all fucking quit man that's like same Mm -hmm. thing with cooking same thing with music Mm -hmm. when you think you know it all just fucking bail dude it's not for you because there's always something you can learn there's always some gnarly old fucking sea dog that i guarantee you works in a fucking shack on the water in san diego that you're like don't know who the fuck he is but you get he stood next to him his mise en place is perfect and he can just fucking murder you and you'd be like <laughs> damn homie 
Exactly. Yep. You're, you know? you, I know exactly. I know who you're talking about. Actually, he's in San Diego. Um, <laughs> but uh, every city's got one. Man. Yeah. This has been dope. Shout out the book. Where? Where? How do people get your book? Uh, Existential Thirst Trap is available. You can go to, if you don't have any money, go to your local library because a library will order a copy and get one. It counts as a sale for me. So mm-hmm. do that if you don't have any money. If oh, you yeah. got the 50, fifteen bucks to spare, you can buy it on Amazon. If you don't like Amazon. You can go to your local bookstore. It is distributed through Ingram, which is the largest book distributor in the fucking con- in the world. Oh, so you rad. can any yeah. bookstore in America, you can order it. If you want to shop local, you can get it off Amazon. You can get it on Walmart. You can get it on Barnes and Noble. You can get it on pretty much any place you can buy books. And That's people dope. ask like, which, which is money's better for you? It's all the fucking same. I just want you to have it. And if you buy it <laughs> and you like it, follow me on Instagram. Find me on at literally Robert Dean. And, uh, you know, if you do a podcast, you got to review, you write review books. If you're doing anything, I want to do it because I've been very blessed that people really like it. And I want to continue to spread the word about it. Love it. So you're literally Robert Dean, literally everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you can get the book anywhere. That's cool. And then other, or do you have other stuff out published that people can get? Yeah, but fuck all that. Just buy this book. Okay. Yeah, let's do it this one. Let's go with this one. And we'll yeah, move no, on. Yeah, no, this there. is we need to make the noise at it. Like this is yeah. where we need to make the noise. Yeah. Fuck big those laugh. books. They've been out they've been out for fucking years. You know? <laughs> okay. Don't don't read any of his other stuff. Okay. Let's do this one. If you're gonna do one, let's do this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like it. Okay. Sure. Give me a la- well, last parting last parting sentence of wisdom right here. You you go. The world is full of really shitty people, and there's a lot of terrible people doing gross things do something kind for somebody because as small as it is, is holding the door for somebody buying a homeless guy, a cup of coffee. Somebody's at the grocery store and they don't have that extra 75 cents, be a fucking champion and give them that dollar and move on. Cause even a small token of something that you never considered, even just checking in on a friend that, you know, is going through it mm-hmm. or, you know, sending mm-hmm. randomly, someone that you love, send them a fucking DoorDash of a milkshake or something at work. Cause they're in the weeds. Love that it. shit, those those peep moments of kindness really truly matter to us. And that's the kind of thing that when you're in the fucking the worst place of your life that you can look at, or you're not even a worst place of your life, you're just having a bad day or a good day. And you're just like, fuck man, my people care about me. This is awesome. Yes. That shit's important. I need that. We all need that. That's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there. That's perfect. That's a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between, this has been Chef Josh talking to Robert Dean with the new book, Existential Thirst Trap. Shout out to Austin, Texas, by way of Chicago. Yes, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll see you on a book tour or, or here, there, or in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm hoping to be in, if, uh, like I said, if we can just keep the momentum coming. Mm-hmm. As soon as I can get to LA, I want to do LA and San Diego. I want to come do podcasts. I want to okay. come read at bookstores. Yeah. I want to come to California. I just need a reason to come. Let's go. All right. Well, let's make it happen. Yes, sir. um, Okay. Have a a good one, man. Thanks, dude. Later. Take it easy. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, that does it for this week's episode of The Family Cast. Food and Music is Life. Yes, I'm Chef Josh Kimball. I'm your host. I'm your friend. I'm your cook. I don't know. I do some things outside of this podcast as well. 
like I'm a husband and a father and I'm a chef and I love to go to concerts and all that kind of stuff. So check out all the other shows that uh, I am on or that I have hosted on this one. And I'm about I'm a guest on podcasts at least probably once a week on different for different things. Um, and then I'm also hosting one these this one, of course. And yeah, so if I'm not doing this, I'll probably I'm probably in the kitchen or playing pickleball with the family or something. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, thanks for listening. Check out Robert's book, Existential Thirst Trap. Sounds amazing. It's getting good reviews everywhere. And he's also he also writes, obviously, for other magazines. So you can you can probably find him anywhere you're anywhere you're looking to find him. Just look up Existential Thirst Trap. He's a he, some of his his I Hopefully it's his own description, but it says he's an enlightened dumbass. <laughs> and uh, the stuff, just the 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 uh, description on like you know book, bookstore.com or bookstore.org and Barnes and Noble or Amazon—they're all they're kind of funny descriptions of the book. So check it out for yourself. He said you can get it anywhere. Basically, go to your local library. That's always a good thing to support. You support your community by going to your local library. That's where I check out music too. I get music at the library. Yeah, you can get everything at the library. Have you been to the library lately? I think you should go. Make a little field trip. I don't like saying should, but this time I think you should go. You know, go away. Read a book. And uh, what else? That's about it for today. I played music in the front of the episode this time, so I'm not going to do it at the end. And I guess I'm going to go read a book. Uh, or maybe an ebook or something like that. Go get some exercise, and I'm gonna go see you in the kitchen. So, until next time, everybody, be kind. Please be kind to one another. It's a it's a mad mad world out there, but we can make it better one one person at a time. Maybe maybe people need hugs. So let's stop all this madness. Let's stop the fighting. Let's protect each other. Let's protect our fellow humans. I'll, you know, whatever you believe aside, just be nice. Be nice to one another. If someone doesn't agree with what you're saying or doesn't believe, if you don't believe what they're saying, you can still be nice. It's really easy to do. Just, ah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, whatever, I don't know. It's, it's it's pretty easy to be nice. It's, it's very easy to be mean also. So you choose, but I choose kindness, hopefully. So if you uh, want to call me out on that, please do. Give me a phone call if you know my phone number <laughs> or you can email me, find me online, wherever. I'm everywhere. But right now, I gotta go. So until next time, I bid you a, a fond farewell. I bid you an adieu. And we'll see you. I'll see you in the kitchen. Come over for lunch. I'll feed you. All right, everybody. Ciao, ciao. What's up fam? This is Rhythm and you're listening to The Family Cast. Food and music is life, yes?